0: value investing expert, Trey Henniger. Hello and welcome to the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger, and I'm your host. In today's episode, I want to discuss managing multiple investing strategies in a single portfolio before i get started i want to make a short request if you're already if you haven't already please consider giving this podcast a rating and review your ratings and reviews help me to grow the show audience so please consider giving me a five-star rating and review if you enjoy the show and your one to two sentence written review along with that rating is used by the algorithms to help grow the podcast audience and show it to more people thank you for your support, and i hope you enjoy the show so let's dive right on in. Today I'm discussing the concept of managing multiple investing strategies in a single portfolio. So I've been thinking about this a lot lately because the current market dislocations due to the coronavirus and the related economic decline have started to massively affect prices in the stock market. Now, I'm not saying every stock is down, but what you're starting to see is a divergence between good companies and bad companies. You're starting to see a divergence between indebted companies and those companies without debt. You're starting to see the stocks become more and more of a stock picker's market. As a stock picker myself, and as I assume you are by listening to this podcast, This is the time where it becomes very interesting to try out different investing strategies. You might have more options for investments than you've had in a while, and you want to get out and start making some purchases. You want to make some purchases. You want to choose maybe different stocks than you've liked. If you've been a quality investor, there's going to be plenty of quality names that might be going on sale in the future. If you've been a deep value investor, there's now more deep value ideas than you've probably had in years. If you are interested in net nets, you're probably able to buy net nets when there have been none available for many years. Or at least there's starting to be US-based net nets instead of simply net nets based in other countries like Japan. So what I'm getting at is that Regardless of your current investing strategy or the overall goal that you have for an investing portfolio, there may be times, such as today, when it becomes relevant and interesting to consider implementing multiple investing strategies in a single portfolio. So what do you do about this? Well, I think it's important to think back and listen to my episode 63, if you haven't already, where I discussed that your portfolio should not reflect your investing strategy. In that episode, I discussed the important concept that each investing strategy has certain decisions that you need to make that change how you manage your portfolio. If you're buying high-quality companies, high-conviction ideas, you might want to buy only a few companies. You can concentrate in maybe five or seven companies, and you can put 20% of your portfolio in a single company if it's a high-conviction, high-quality, low-debt, low-risk idea. But if you're doing a basket approach, if you're buying deep value, if you're buying bad companies that are extremely cheap, then you might be interested in spreading your basket around, purchasing 30 stocks, 20, 20 to 30 stocks, and spreading it across a bigger basket. So here, your portfolio size might be 3% per stock or 5% per stock. And what that does is it changes the way your portfolio is managed. Now you're betting on the fact that cheap outperforms expensive, but because you no longer have the quality factor and other means or the growth factor, now you have to bet on the fact that you need a basket because more of those companies are going to fail. And so you're betting on the fact that as a whole, the portfolio will outperform, but on an individual basis and each individual stock might not perform the best. What this requires, and what I go into much further detail in that episode 63, is this idea that you can't construct the two portfolios the same. You need to make choices that drive how many stocks you're buying, when you're buying those stocks, what percentage of portfolio you put in those stocks, based upon the types of stocks they are. Well, when I've been looking at my portfolio today, And as I look back over my portfolio over the previous years, one of the things that I like to do is I don't pigeonhole myself as only a single type of investor. I'm not only a quality investor. I'm not only a deep value investor. I'm not only a net net investor. I'm not only one of these things. I want to buy value where I see it. I want to buy companies at an intrinsic value that is much higher than the price that I'm having to pay. And what this does is, this means that I'm willing to go into many different areas, but it also means that I'm managing a single portfolio with multiple strategies. And I think that's where it gets really interesting because you need to incorporate the ideas I talked about in episode sixty-three, where you're reflecting that portfolio and your your investing strategy in your portfolio, but you're also able to merge those two. It's possible to have a portfolio where you have some high conviction ideas that are maybe a 20% position, and that if you had five of them, would be a five stock, 20% position portfolio. But you can also merge those with net nets, or merge those with a basket approach. So if there's certain companies which you would be willing to buy 30 of, but you're only able to have one or two ideas. Let's say you're, you're interested in net nets, you like the way that net nets work, then, you're able to buy a net net or two and put 3% or 5% of your position in that company. And maybe you buy two of those. And so that's 10% of your portfolio is two net nets at 5% each. But then you also have two or three high conviction ideas at 20% each. And you also have some very deep value junkie companies um, that are more speculative at you know, three of those at 3% each. So now you have, you know, four high conviction ideas, 20% each, that's 80% of your portfolio, 10% of your portfolio is the two net nets you found, and 10% of the portfolio is the three speculations you found. It's possible to run a portfolio this way, and it can make intelligent sense to do so because certain strategies tend to have higher returns than others. But the caveat is, is that you can't always find a sufficient number of ideas to make that strategy work. For me personally, one of the things that I have found really helpful is that I've learned that the idea and the strategy that fits the best with me is to buying high conviction ideas, high quality stocks, low risk, high amounts of cash, no debt or low debt, good management, good capital um allocation. And I want to buy and find companies where I can have the confidence to put 20% of my portfolio into a single idea because the risk is so low and the potential returns are so high. The struggle with that is that it's very difficult for me to find those ideas. I only have a certain amount of time in a day to do research. I'm not researching 40 hours a week. This isn't my full-time job, so when I do my research... I'm unable to turn over as many stones, as many ideas as other investors. So it just takes me a longer period of time to find those high conviction, high quality ideas. When I find them, I execute on them, but I don't always find them. Instead, sometimes I find other ideas that are just as good, but they fit a different investing strategy. And... You know, I mentioned two of these types of investing strategies. There's many different types. You can include momentum here. You can include, um, you know, dividend growth at a reasonable price investing, dividend growth investing. There's net net investing. There's um, deep value investing. There's all sorts of net nets. I guess is technically a subset of deep value. Um, there's all sorts of different strategies, but what I found is that sometimes when I'm doing research, so let's look at, let's say I look at twenty stocks, you know. So I, I've considered twenty different ideas. Maybe one of those twenty ideas is a stock that could become a high conviction stock idea, high conviction, high quality, twenty percent position type idea. So that's only five percent of the stocks I looked at. Well, maybe fifteen of those stocks are are simply too speculative. I'm not willing to consider investing in them at all. The price is too high. They need to be much cheaper. You know, maybe they're priced at $100 a share, but I'd be willing to buy them at 20. So my estimate of intrinsic value just is way different than the market. And that, that tends to be about right. You know, 75% of the stocks I, I research, I just I'm not interested in at all. But maybe there's four other stocks in there that, you know, they're not a high quality idea. They're not a high conviction pick. But Maybe they're a different strategy, and it's a strategy I'm comfortable with, it's a strategy in my circle of competence, but you know, I think it's worth investing in. I just have to lower the bar that I put, how much money I put into that company. So I think this is something you can do. I think it's something you can consider for your own investing portfolio, if you understand multiple strategies. So one of the other strategies that I like, and I think is helpful to a portfolio, is net-net investing. Net nets are very popular and very helpful. Um, What a net net is, it's a company that's trading for less than its liquidation value. So the net current asset value is you add up all the current assets of a company, all their cash, their inventory, um, accounts receivable, anything that is basically cash or can be turned into cash quickly, if the company were to be liquidated and shut down. So you add up all that cash, all of the cash equivalents and inventories, et cetera, and you don't give any credit for stuff like plant and equipment, stuff like land, stuff like buildings. You give no credit to the value of those and you just assume they're worthless. And then you subtract all all the liabilities of the company. You take away all the debt, you subtract all the accounts payable, you subtract all the lease payments, all the insurance costs, all the rent payments, everything like that. And you get a number left over, and let's say that number is left over is ten million dollars. So after you subtract all the liabilities, they have ten million dollars of more current assets than they do have liabilities. Well, net net investing was introduced by Ben Graham. He's the you know father of this idea, basically. And what he would do is he would want to buy companies that were trading at less than two thirds their net current asset value, or NCAV. So, that means if you had $10 million left over, so current assets minus all liabilities, current and long term liabilities, you had $10 million left over. He would only be willing to pay f- to buy that stock if it was trading for less than $6.7 million. So, if you could buy the whole company for less than $6.7 million, it was less than two thirds net current asset value. That also meant that if the stock price were to rise to net current asset value, it would be a 50% gain because to go from million. If you increase that by 50%, you would reach $10 million. So the idea that Ben Graham introduced with net net investing is that you're going to buy a basket of these. Not all of them are going to work out. Some are going to fail. Some of these companies are trading at this cheap price because they are going to fail. Some of these companies are trading at this cheap price just because the market doesn't know what it's doing. It's pricing them too cheap. Um, when Ben Graham was investing in the 30s, 20s, 40s, net nets were a lot more common. Um, in today in the United States, generally during most market periods, there are zero net nets in the United States and the net nets that are in the United States are usually frauds or shell companies that have the potential to be frauds or something along those lines and you don't want to invest in them. Well, the recent coronavirus crash, coronavirus crash and in 2008, 2009, you had the opportunity to buy net nets in the United States and they start to appear on the market. And so when you see this, what this is, is this is basically an incredibly cheap price. Companies that are able to operate and that are able to earn a profit should not trade below their net current asset value, let alone two, below two-thirds of their net current asset value. But if they do then it's a company that's definitely worth considering buying. And the empirical evidence and the logical thought process behind buying these companies is very intuitive. The empirical evidence suggests that net-net investing outperforms basically every other style of investing out there. So when they're available, they can be very attractive to buy. Now, the general focus with net-nets is that you're going to be a basket. So you need to buy 20 of these or 30 of these, and then some are going to fail, let's say 5 Five of the thirty fail. Twenty five, you know, twenty of the thirty perform well, and five of the thirty go way up. And as a whole, the basket outperforms the market. Um, basically, across all all of the past, the problem is these companies generally aren't a, aren't stuff that you like. No one's ever heard of the companies. Um, they're not something that. <sighs> is very marketable. Um, It almost never feels good to own net nets, but they tend to outperform the market significantly. We're talking by greater than 10% percentage points per year better than the market. So if the S&P is returning 10% a year, net nets tend to return 20% plus. Those are the type of returns that net nets have earned historically as a premium to the market. Um, The difficulty is you can't actually find 20 to 30 of these. Um, at least not in the United States. If you're willing to go outside the United States, you can find more net nets, you can find net nets available, um, and you can build more of a portfolio. But what I'm doing and what I'm looking at today is I'm looking at buying some net nets during this coronavirus crash. So I don't run a net net portfolio. I run a high conviction portfolio. But I recognize that net nets as a whole and individually tend to outperform the S&P 500, and other investing strategies. So if I'm able to buy net nets when they're available, let's say more net nets become available during this crash, let's say this economic downturn gets worse, and there's more net nets available in the market. Statistically, if we look at the results of my portfolio, my portfolio results should improve for every net net that I'm able to buy. So if I'm able to add one net net to my portfolio and just add it as part of my portfolio, kind of like a subsection, then my potential portfolio performance should increase. So let's say I was expecting my portfolio to return 10% a year. Well, if I can buy one net net, maybe the potential return goes up to 11% a year. If I can buy two or three net nets, maybe the potential performance becomes 12% per year. Let's say I'm able to buy five net nets and now my potential, total portfolio performance is at 15% a year. What this is doing is that each incremental net net I'm able to find and put 3% or 5% of my portfolio in, this is allowing me to improve the overall results, expected results of my portfolio because I know that net nets have an empirical basis for outperforming almost every other investing strategy in the past. And that by putting my money into them and shifting it away from other strategies that don't perform as well, I'm able to increase the average expected return of my portfolio. Now there's certain things you have to do to manage net nets. I might have a full episode where I discuss net net investing, selling strategies, buying strategies um, that might come in a future episode where I discuss this. But the basic idea is that you can do this with any strategy, it doesn't have to be net nets. If you have a general base strategy, whether let's say that's dividend growth investing, there's going to be some base rate expected rate of return you're going for. Maybe your dividend growth strategy is likely to return eight percent a year, so you're, you know you continue investing eight percent a year. That's great, but maybe there's an additional strategy that you become aware of that you've built up your circle of competence in. And now you have the option to add some stocks to your portfolio that have potential performance of 15% a year. You don't have to shift your whole portfolio into doing this. You can set aside 10% of your portfolio or 20% of your portfolio to now do as a sub-portfolio in this strategy. So like let's say you choose net nets as your sub-strategy. So 80% of your portfolio is still going to be whatever it is, dividend growth investing. But now you have 20% of your portfolio set aside for net nets. So you'd like to buy 10 net nets to be diversified. So you you might not have the option for 10 net nets, but you can put 2% of your portfolio into each net net that you do find. And if you were able to find 10, that'll be 20% of your portfolio. But if you find two of them, well now you've put 4% of your portfolio into net nets and that's giving you a higher expected rate of return for your overall portfolio now. And as you find new ideas, you can just put more money into them based upon whatever your risk tolerance is. So that's how I would think about this. When you're looking at expanding your portfolio into new strategies, you don't have to convert your whole portfolio. You can separate it out into sub-portfolios. You can think about it and track it and say, okay, let's say I'm investing a portfolio of $100,000. Well, I'll keep $80,000 in my dividend growth and strategy, and I'm going to do 20%, $20, $20,000 Into these other strategies, into the newer strategies I figured out. Now, if you do enough of those and you get enough ideas, in the future, you might expand that. You might say, no, this new strategy is better. I like this better. So I'm going to expand the 20% to 50%. And over time, maybe it goes to 80%. Now my new strategy, my net net strategy is 80% of my portfolio and the dividend growth is 20%. I still like it, um, but I recognize it has lower potential returns than strategy B or strategy C that I'm working on. And over your investing career, you can shift your portfolio most different strategies as you learn and develop your personal strategy. What you'll find is most great investors, the people you know of, um, the Warren Buffetts of the world, Phil Fisher, um, Benjamin Graham, Walter Schloss, all these guys developed their strategies to be their own. They didn't copy and paste someone else's strategy. They didn't say, you know what? I like what Warren Buffett's doing. Or Warren Buffett didn't copy his mentor, Ben Graham. He took it, he started there, and over his investing line time, he's adapted it and changed it to make it work for him. The same thing happened with Walter Schloss. He also worked with Ben Graham. And he took that, and adapted it to be his own little strategy. And what you need to do if you want to become a good investor, if you want to be a great investor over time, you need to avoid simply copying pasting other ideas. I don't want you to copy and paste my investing strategy. In this podcast, I talk about the strategies I'm using. I talk about the stuff that I'm doing. I don't want you to copy and paste it. That's not the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast is to give you ideas. The point of this podcast is to challenge you to think, challenge you to learn, challenge you to expand your circle of competence and think through why things work. It's not about whether your strategy works or not you need to understand every intricate detail of why your strategy works. Because if you don't understand why your strategy works and why you're able to earn a premium on your capital, then at the exact moment that you need to know that, you're likely to lose money because you're gonna not have the conviction you need. Strategies like deep value and net nets work because the companies are so cheap that if there's any glimmer of hope of that company surviving, the price is going to rise. But it also means it works, because when you're purchasing the company, everyone else thinks that company's a bad idea. Everyone else will tell you, yes, it's cheap, but. Oh, yes, net nets work, but. Oh, yeah, well, you know, it seems like it's a nice price, but. But that company is bad. But that product isn't going to work but that um, short-term headwinds are too high. Oh, but Amazon's going to kill the business. All of these things are why that strategy works. So if you see those headlines and you say, oh, I made a mistake, I need to sell, you didn't understand why your strategy works. This is key. You need to really think through this. So it's it, the point of this is once to give you the idea, I'm trying to give you new ideas, new ways to think about your investing process. But what I also want you to do is really think. You need to think through and understand your process. You need to think through and understand the process of the people that you're trying to emulate. Simply, simply emulating another person's ideas will not allow you to receive the returns that they receive. You can't borrow someone's investing conviction, and you can't borrow someone's investing experience. You have to work on your own circle of competence and expand it over time. You have to work on your own conviction and research for each stock you buy. That's why it doesn't matter what... Research you read, you need to do your own research. It doesn't matter what stock ideas you receive, you need to do your own research on those ideas before you can really know enough to understand and buy it for yourself. Because if you don't understand it, you're not going to make a good investment. And the same is true for managing your portfolio. I have found my portfolio strategy shifting over time. As I've been investing over the last 10, 11 years, I've seen that. As an investor, I've shifted more and more towards certain things. I like high-conviction ideas more than other ideas. I started more on the deep value side. Um, But I like the idea of high-conviction ideas. But I also know strategies like net-nets work. And there's certain companies that I might be willing to buy if they're a net-net that provide me with the returns I'm seeking. So that's what I'm doing in my portfolio, but I really want you to take away from this that you can implement multiple investing strategies in your portfolio. The way you do this is you sub- take a subset of the portfolio, some set percentage, and you say, I'm going to run this percentage of my portfolio like it's independent. You can track it independently, you can track it together, but you need to manage the position, position sizing and you need to manage the buying and selling according to how that portion of the position or that portion of the portfolio has to be managed. Remember, you can listen to my episode, this 63, where I talk about how different strategies need to be managed differently. You're able to manage those together in a single portfolio, but don't make the mistake of flip-flopping those buy and sell decisions. I hope this has been a helpful episode to you. So thank you for listening. The full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's podcast, are available at diyinvesting.org slash episode 75. Please remember this is a listener-supported podcast. If you've gained value from today's content, please consider supporting the show financially as a patron. You can become a patron at diyinvesting.org slash P-A-T-R-O-N. Your financial support is what allows me to continue creating this free investing content without any advertisements consider if you have gained value from today's content. My goal with this podcast is to provide you with value. The lowest level of support on my Patreon is simply a dollar per show. Works out to $5 a month. If I'm not giving you at least a dollar per show of value, which is what you should be getting, I hopefully much more than that with you giving me 30 minutes of your time, then I really hope to be doing so. Please give me feedback. What could I do to make the show better? What could I do to help you gain more value? But if you are gaining that value, consider sharing some of that back with me to continue creating this great content for you. If you choose to become a patron of the show, you receive exclusive insights into my personal investing process, the DIYinvesting.org membership program. Once again, you can find out more information at DIYinvesting.org patron. Thank you for listening. and Until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth.